Hey everybody, welcome to the conversation from St. Patrick's Studio. My name is Brian Cannon. Today I'm joined by Aaron Cheatham. He's the reentry manager at Hickman Family Farms. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You don't have to get into chickens right away. We'll come, we'll come full circle there, but so you're a local guy, yeah? Yeah, local guy, uh, born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona, attended Brophy College Prep, went away for a slight stint at Southern Methodist University, came back home because this is where my heart is and, you know, just trying to make a mark on the world, I guess. SMU, like, okay, they're back in football. That's got to be like, that's got to have a little bit of a special place in your it's, heart. It's yeah. a good feeling, yeah, it's a good feeling to be a part of that, yeah. Right on. So this is your community, right? And, and so you come back here and now you're working as a manager with Hickman Family Farms, who has a prison re-entry program that I think is really important and really unique. But how do, how do you go from where you started to where you are? So actually, um, in 2013, I, in a roundabout way, took a job as a correction officer. Um, well, more of a calling, I guess, as a, as a correction officer initially. So I thought, um, did that for about three years, moved into parole, you know, promoted into the parole department just because I was a little bit more where my heart is. I, I, I felt a little bit more comfortable, you know, helping people coming out of prison transition rather than, you know, telling them to lock down. Although, you know, there's people that have to do that role as well. But, you know, I felt more comfortable helping individuals transition back into the community. Um, after doing parole for two years, I had the pleasure of uh, volunteering back at the prison, the same prison I used to work at, and that's where I met Billy Hickman, um, the Hickman family, and we started to talk about this idea of what is actually needed to help individuals transition. Now, we were on a committee, that's why I, I was volunteering at the prison, it was the Education Advisory Committee, and the goal of this committee was to you know, figure out the best way for inmates to transition into the community. And on this committee, we were talking about like resume building, interviewing skills, um, stuff like that. As a parole officer, I knew the guys that were sitting in my chair didn't really care about. And, you know, I kind of voiced this opinion in this meeting. I said, hey, you know, the guys that sit in my chair the, the first day they get out of prison, they want to know where am I going to live? How am I going to work? How am I going to support myself? How do I get back to my family? And, um, you know, I didn't know Billy at the time, but he heard what I said, and I got a call a few months later, and they said, hey, we have an idea. Can we talk about this? So that turned into this idea of um, supporting this reentry community, and the Hickmans had already been working on it for years. I just kind of fell in at the right place at the right time, and they you know, wanted me to help sort of facilitate this program. So for a person who's in the correctional system, yeah. like, I think you mentioned to me that 95% of them are getting released back into yeah. the community, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an eventuality, it's happening. It's happening. Right? And so for a person who's been incarcerated, mm -hmm. you mentioned some of the, the barriers, some of the hoops that they would have to jump through to be successful in not returning back to prison. What is the typical experience look like for a person being released? Yeah, so um, what most people don't understand a lot of times is, well, first of all, there's about 42,000 inmates in the state of Arizona. That's, that's a reality. And like you said, 95% of them are getting out and most of them within the next three to five years. So we can't just forget about these people. They are coming back into the community. Um, the other thing is there's a really high percentage of them that are coming out homeless in general. 
So I would say that's, you know, upwards of 70% of them coming out and don't really have, they, they're not going back home to family. They're not going back to uh, a spouse or relatives. They're coming back into the state and it's up to, you know, community corrections office to place them at different locations. It could be a shelter. It could be a halfway house. Um, and a lot of these places are, you know, drug ridden and just not a really a good environment that's conducive to success. That's the first thing. Um, secondly, um, one of the other weaknesses that the state has is like a lot of people don't always come out with proper identification. So that's another hurdle. If I don't have both my ID and a social security card, I can't get a job, right? So not only am I homeless, but I'm, and, and maybe I do find some some uh, temporary housing, but now that I'm in this temporary housing, I can't find a job immediately so that I can get out. Um, I think in general, the community is a bit standoffish with people who have been to prison. We're just a little, maybe we're a little scared. Maybe we just, you know, can't trust that they're going to be productive as we want them to be. Um, you know, there's the anxiety that just comes with coming out into the community initially. There's the loneliness. You know, a lot of times people that are coming out, they've burned bridges and, you know, justifiably so. You know, we, we do kind of want to give them time to kind of get their things together. It's just without the support, they generally go back to what they know best. And usually that's along the lines of the mistakes they were making before. So, um, and then there's a ton of other issues that, you know, people deal with coming out of incarceration, so. Right, you mentioned going back to what you know, right? Yeah. You were a correctional officer. My first career was as a firefighter. We know that when you are in a crisis situation, yep. you fall back on your training, exactly. right? So it, it really should not be any surprise that if you don't surround a person with support, yep. that that's, that's natural that that's what's gonna happen. So, so now you're at Hickman's, and you had mentioned that they already had kind of in their heart to be working on some sort of support for people coming out. So what looks different for a person coming out of incarceration that then encounters Hickman's and what, what you guys are doing? Yeah, so just to back up a little bit, and what I mean by Hickman's had already kind of started on this path is years ago, um, they, they reached out to the Department of Corrections and they started this program where they're allowing inmates to come and work on the farm during their incarceration. Sort of as like a work study, sort of a rehabilitation program in which, you know, inmates were able to utilize their time, learning skills, working, um, saving money as well. Um, so they had already delved into that. Um, you know, they, they were extremely involved in that portion of it. And then when I came on, it was more so like, okay, we have these inmates who have been working on the farm for, you know, some of them three plus years. And they, we know that they're a value um, in the workforce. We know that they're reliable. We know that they are, they have the capacity to um, build skills and, and actually utilize them. So how do we not lose them to what they used to know when they get out? You know what I mean? How do we, how do we retain this valuable employee? And, and for us at Hickman's, it's like, um, these valuable employees that the rest of the community doesn't really want. So how do we how do we harness this and keep them here and save them from you know their old life? And that's sort of where I came in in this idea of the reentry program that we have. It's like so, what we're going to do is we're going to build housing right here on the farm, and in in order to live in this housing, these individuals get to keep their job, and we're going to you know mandate 
you know, full-time employment here. So not only are we going to give you housing, we're going to give you full-time employment, and we're also going to knock out the barrier of transportation because the housing is right on the farm and you can literally walk to work. We've also implemented other uh, transportation things like taking individuals to the grocery store, um, making sure they make it to their parole meetings. About 90% of the people that come into the program are on parole or probation. And part of you know my previous role as a parole officer and also keeping a good relationship with the community, we make it, you know, our, you know, one of our goals is to make sure they maintain a good relationship with the state, with parole, and also with the community. So sometimes when people get released from prison, yep. they get dropped right back into their old neighborhood, yep. right back with their old associations, but you've constructed basically a little town that's, that's separated from that, and you can see the benefits to that, but there's also kind of the social and emotional needs of a person. So how do you address that with, with people who are coming out that need that kind of emotional support too? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of it starts before they even get out. So we have the pleasure of being able to enter the prison or speak to them while they're at work and uh, just create the sense of hope, like, hey, you're a valued employee, you know, well before you get out of prison, and this is the plan to set you up before you get released. You know, the housing aspect, the employment aspect, and then we walk through all the other little nuances of just starting over. Like, we're gonna make sure you get all this, these forms of documentation that you need so that you can be, you know, a productive member of society. We've also brought on uh, two case managers that sort of also just, you know, makes, makes your people a little bit more well-rounded as far as emotionally, psychologically, um, just make sure they're taking all this in because for most people it's like it's unbelievable and a lot of times they're coming out for the third or fourth time from prison and we've, we're getting them on their third or fourth time or after their third or fourth stint in prison so um, there's there's just a lot of anxiety and you know there's fear that things are going to go the same way they went last time um, so we, we kind of just we grab them, it's, it's almost like just giving them a big hug, bring them into the community. And another very powerful piece in our community is that there's, you know, we're, we're at upwards of 78 units now. So 78 apartments of a like-minded community, people that have been where you've been. Um, the other thing is like the, the Hickman management. A lot of them have come through the same journey that a lot of the new people are. Like, hey, I started exactly where you started when I was wearing orange in prison, got the opportunity to work here, and now um, now you're coming to work. Yeah, you're working under me, but you see exactly where, where I've gone to. So um, there's some hope in that. When you say a lot of the management, like what are we talking here? It's So I, I don't know the exact number because like I said, Hickman's have been, has been doing this for so long and a lot of the, the employees have been there for a long time. But you'll see, you know, some of the management that have been there for 13 years and you start to learn about their story and you start asking them like, so how did you come to work at Hickman's? And you know, you're in this higher up position. Oh, I started when I was an inmate. Right. You know, these are some of the responses, but I would say out of, you know, and, and I don't even know the exact number of departments that we have because there's so many, but I would say out of 10 departments, probably um, seven of them are headed by someone who was recently, or who was released from prison and came to work at Hickman's. Hope is an amazing thing, exactly. right? I mean, people can envision a future that's different than what their past has been. Yeah. 
um, I'm a family guy or family guy, you, you, there's stuff in the house. Like, like I think about the years of things that I have taken for granted of just pots and pans in my house, you know, like all of the things that sort of make life work. Yep. How do you address those kind of like physical needs of people coming out and the idea of like pride of ownership and yeah. how do you get buy-in? So um, initially when, uh, you know, you kind of express this idea of what they're coming into. Like I said, it sounds unbelievable, but then we kind of have this, you know, uh, house tour moment where we just walk in, especially when they're moving into the apartment for the first time. And, you know, there's, there's these brand new pots and pans. There's this new comforter set. There's this new mattress, this new apartment. And we say, hey, this is your apartment. And by the way, all of these little knickknacks, you know, you see those pillows, those towels, those pots and pans, those are yours. We're going to make you pay for it. Um, it's going to come out of your check over the next 13 weeks, little by little. But when you leave here, all of this stuff is yours. You get to take that with you to your next, you know, home. So um, immediately there's that buy-in because it's like, oh, crap, you know, I'm paying for this. So I need to, you know, take care of it. And and then not only that, but when they see their paycheck, it shows on there. You know, we put on all the paychecks because everything's direct deposited, right? Or direct deposit and, and we take out automatic um, from the checks and they'll see on their household items. So they see, you know, $20 a week, they're paying for all the stuff that they're enjoying in their apartment. So right away, there's the buy-in. Um, the other thing is like, when people have been in this system and they've come out multiple times, a lot of times they've, they've been through, this, this idea of being in the system didn't start, you know, in their adult life. A lot of times it started even as, as young teenagers, maybe some of them were in foster care. Um, or maybe they've done multiple stints in prison and when they come out, they're, they're always in this system where they're sharing a space with someone else that's, that's, that's similar to them. You know, maybe you're bunked up with someone in prison, maybe you're bunked up with someone in a halfway house, but here we were very intentional on giving everyone their own space. So everyone has their own apartment, which comes with their own bathroom. They don't have to share or, you know, use the restroom in front of anyone. They have their own kitchen, they cook their own meals, they do their own grocery shopping. Um, so. That means they're they're planning their own diet. It's not like, hey, it's chow time and you're going to eat this. It's like, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm shopping for what I want to eat. I'm cooking what I want to eat. And I'm, you know, taking the trash out and redoing the process over again. So there's definitely that that ownership and that buying. It's 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 automatic. That's human dignity, right? We all inherently have it. But I think when we've been when a person has been living without it for some time, mm -hmm that it, it becomes um, something almost like foreign. Like, like this can't be. Like you said, there's a, there's a sense of amazement, but with that comes the responsibility, yeah. right? It's not just giving things to, to a person, it's teaching, many, many of them maybe haven't budgeted yeah. like in a long time. So, so these skills that are required to really live out human dignity are just as important as the pots and pans, right? Yeah. And then transitioning then out of the program, because not everybody's gonna stay at Hickman's forever. Exactly. Yeah. What's that look like? Yeah, so we, we understand not everyone wants to, you know, live in Buckeye, Arizona or Tonopah forever and, and work on a farm forever, but it is a transition and that's what we, in, that's what we intended it to be. Um, we offer an incentive after a year. So everyone that comes in, like I said, it would be unjust to teach them that you could live somewhere and not pay for it. So in addition to the household items that they pay for, they also pay 20% of what they make a week as sort of like rent, if you will. We call it a uh, program fee, but you know, it's rent and that's 20% of what they make. But one of the incentives is, you know, this is for our community and the community at large and for them as well. 
it's uh, you know if they're if they're on their best behavior and what I mean by that you're just a good neighbor you're working consistently you're a good employee you're doing all the things that we value as a productive member of society after a year as you're transitioning out we actually give you half of that money back so of that 20% that you're paying over the course of a year when you hit that year mark and it's really 12 months to 14 months is like a transition period where that year stipend is 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 valid as they transition out we give them 50% of that money back and that's to you know some people have put put a down payment on a home some people have just put a down payment on an apartment uh, maybe they got the car that they always wanted to have so that now they can get to and from their next residence or their residence and work. So we kind of facilitate that transition and it is for a lot of people an honor because it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm doing bigger and better things now. Like I've, I've used this opportunity for what it was meant for and maybe even perhaps got a, a raise or a promotion during the process working here. And now I'm moving on and doing my own thing, getting my own apartment, buying my own home which is a dream for not just people coming out of prison, but for everyone um, doing those things and also maintaining my employment. And if they don't want to, you know, stay and work at Hickman's, you know, now they've, you know, they've been vetted and they're a trained employee where they can go and work somewhere else in the Valley. Do you ever hear back from somebody who's moved out into the community and, uh, and, and communicates back with you what they're up to? Oh yeah, all the time. So, you know, most of the people stay and work at Hickman's because, you know, you're coming out and, and for a lot of people, this is like the first community that's, that's accepted me for exactly who I am. They know exactly what my past is and they've actually invested this, you know, invested all this time and energy and support in me. So I would say because of that, a lot of people, you know, find Hickman's as a home and they're just like, you know what, I don't want any other job. I'm just going to work here for the rest of my life, whatever. Um, so it's kind of a weird experience when even people from like three years ago that are still working at Hickman's, maybe they're in a different position, a different role, and I just kind of see them in passing. And it's like, hey, Aaron, how's it going? How's the housing? How's the, how's the program going? That's awesome. Um, but, you know, some, not everybody stays at Hickman's. Some people moves out and, you know, they, you know, communicate on Facebook and communicate through social media. And, you know, sometimes they come back. One of the other things we really love to do in our program is, um, we have uh, every month we, we invite a guest speaker and I always invite guest speakers who have gone through the process. Maybe they've been at Hickman's for, you know, 10 years or so, but they, they were once incarcerated. They transitioned out and now they're in like a, a much higher role in the company. So I always invite those people back just to come and speak to the, you know, the individuals who were just recently released just to inspire and say, hey, this is what's possible. But those are always like, hey, welcome back moments as well. You know what I love about this so much is that it's not a patronizing relationship, no. right? It's, it's not just, um, you, you know, trying to do something good for somebody. I mean, there's value in that, but it's also a reciprocal relationship. Hickman's benefits greatly from this program in that they're getting trained employees who are loyal and that do a good job, you know, and, and the community benefits because people are getting the support that they need and they're going to be good neighbors. They're going to be productive members of society. So everybody benefits from this. Absolutely. Yes. So like I said, that 95% that's, that's coming out, it is a valid question. We have to ask, like, how do we want them to come out? What kind of support would we want to have when we came out back into the world for the first time in a long time? And you see that at Hickman's, um, just the community and the, 
the community at work, the community in general, um, there's, there's gratitude there, there's some loyalty there, um, and there's also this, uh, you know, an urge to do service for the next person as well. It's like, you know what, I've been where you've been. Um, I'm gonna help you out of this. I'm gonna help you move forward. And, you know, there's that idea of the, you know, not in my backyard concept that, you know, we were initially afraid of, um, but we, we just, we moved forward. We built our, 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 our community. People came into the community, people went to work, and we haven't heard a peep. It's just, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even know we're there just because it's so normal now. So I, and, and, and I think the community out there has grown because of it. Like there's been a handful of people that have left our housing community and actually bought homes in Tonopah and they just seem like average, normal Tonopians. And I don't know if that's the No, that's, 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 that's correct. That's the correct yeah, Tonopian. Right, right. They're just an average Tonopian, you know, <laughs> stopping at the they truck to stop. Tonopah Joe's. And <laughs> yeah, so you would never even know. Nice. Um, so what's on the horizon? for Hickman's and how does the community get involved with what you're doing? Yeah, so I, I think the goal is always to uh, improve our programming, you know, making sure that we can continue to, to lower the recidivism rate because at the end of the day, it's about making sure that nobody's going back to prison. You know, in the state of Arizona, I believe we have about a 40%, maybe a little higher recidivism rate and that's the rate at which people are going back to prison. In our program, it's below 10%. So. There's success there, so I think there's there's also room to grow, you know, because our program is completely filled. You know, we have maybe two or three vacancies right now, and that's out of 78 units. And I have a whole stack of letters that of inmates that would like to participate in this program when they get out. We don't have the capacity to do so. So I think um, it would be huge. You know, we just got our 501c approved a couple months ago, so we're kind of working through the minutiae of, of, of managing a, a nonprofit, and we would like to, you know, get some support from the community um, so that we can, you know, introduce more programs and also um, grow the grow the program in general. You know, more housing. Uh, out where we are, there's really not much to do. You know, for for most of our residents, it's like going to work, coming home, taking care of my apartment, and then maybe I go back into town and, you know, go to Club Walmart or something. So, you know, I would love to get to a point where we could just build like a rec center out where we are, or just, just more entertainment. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with money. Um, we're trying, now that we have the 501C, we're trying to get to a point where, you know, this isn't something that's supported by the Hickman business, but more so by the community because it, it really is a community project. It's a, you know, a social service, if you will. And I, I think this nonprofit is something that could be a model, not just out in Tonopah, but all over the United States, maybe all over the world, because they're, you know, especially in the United States there, we do have an incarceration pro problem. Um, and it almost seems like the country is scrambling for a solution. What do we do with this incarceration problem? And you know, it starts with the community first trusting that we can we can work with people that are coming out of incarceration, trusting that we can, um, you know, teach them skills and 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 help them be a uh, productive member of society. It starts there, and and just actually investing in people, like just putting forward that initial investment, not being standoffish, and just, you know, help people. 
If people want to contribute or get involved, where do they find you? So we don't have an official website for the Reentry Community of Hope, which is the nonprofit. Um, right now, we're, I guess you could say the, the uh, nonprofit is renting a space on hickmanseggs.com, uh, hickmaneggs.com. You can look under community and then we'll be under uh, rebuilding lives. Um, so we just kind of have a tab on the company's website. We're working on building our own website and also working on a portal for donations and stuff like that. Like I said, we just got the 501c approved. We've been working for three years just kind of undercover and just wanted to make sure this thing was working. Right. So, um, but yeah, you can, you can find us on the hickmanseggs.com website. Um, and another thing that just kind of helps the cause is just by knowing that, you know, Hickman's is a felon-friendly um, employer. And, you know, a lot of us have friends and families who are just having difficulty getting to work. And you can send them our way because we're always in need of, of uh, reliable, you know, workers. So um, very soon on that website or on a, a branch off, if we can create our own, there'll be like a portal so people can donate. Um, people can always reach out to me, um, acheatum at hickmanseggs.com. That's my email. And we can, you know, talk about anything reentry related or how you can actually give back to that community. Like I said, we do those weekly or the monthly uh, guest speakers. If there's something that you feel like you can offer to the community, whether it be you know education-wise or just like experience, um, we'd be glad to have you as well. That's awesome, and we'll put all those links on this video too. Okay, so I can't. I, I got a just one fun question, yeah. right? Because everybody is dying to know, and I can't let you go without knowing. When when a chicken is done laying eggs. What happens to that chicken? Oh, man. That's a hard Straight to nuggets? Is it straight to nuggets? Well, I think there's a, a few different processes for that. We don't do straight to nuggets at Hickman's. If that's another chicken company. <laughs> okay. So um, at Hickman's, you know, when they're done laying eggs, we have another process that they go through that involves, you know, uh, just euthanization and um, definitely recycling of the um, chicken, but not chicken. No nuggets. All right. Inquiring minds wanted to know. Because like, I saw the Chick-fil-A truck pull up and I just wanted to get that out there. No nuggets. We don't do nuggets. Aaron, thank you so much for thanks, taking this Thanks time. for having me. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. No problem. This has been The Conversation with St. Patrick's Studio, and we will see you next time.